Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Open Weight, a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, lovers, and happy 2022. Happy January. Happy New Year. I mean, this year really is in full swing already. So whatever you're doing, however you're thriving, just know that I am celebrating you and I'm rooting for you in the new year. One of the things that I really feel deeply is that this year is going to be such a paradigm shifting year for myself, but for all of us. And that means we get to step into our fears. We get to boss up with all of our emotional stuff as we're processing and do the hard things and do the things that are scary. And for me, that means recording solo episodes of Open Late. Many people have been asking. And so here I am. I want you guys to know that this episode has been in my body, in my bones for a long time. Um, This episode is for everyone, not just my polyamory family, not just my non-monogamy folks, but this episode is for anyone in relationship. And even if that means a relationship with yourself and you're not dating right now, I think that what I'm going to talk about today is so valuable for many reasons. Um, A lot of you have asked, like, what have you learned that you can share with me so I could avoid these pitfalls, right? Whether it's in dating or in relationship. And so today I want to dive deeper into the concept of your partner's not your superhero. So back on episode three, I had on Chloe and we touched on this a little bit. Chloe and I talked about jealousy and not making your partner your superhero. We talked about compersion. And that was by far one of everyone's favorite episodes of the show last year. And so I wanted to sort of talk about this a bit more, go a little bit deeper and get into some specifics about why your partner should not be your superhero, why you shouldn't be their superhero and the dangers of the one, right? The dangers of making someone this all encompassing thing, person, like God complex that's going to make you happy, fix your life, whatever it may be. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably listening to this saying, Jessica, that's not me. I don't do that. 
but let's, let's talk about this a little bit because the idea of the one is actually very sneaky. And so I want to identify where it can pop up and I want to help you all look a bit deeper because in relationship, it's kind of all about being the one, not finding the one. It's when you're being the one that you can actually attract who's meant for you. So why don't we design our ideal relationships? This is such an interesting concept to me. Obviously, I'm in a non-monogamous relationship that is definitely 100% designed by exactly what we want. It's exclusive. It is like not one size fits all. And I say exclusive, meaning exclusive to us. We created this. It is such a custom fit for us. And at a time where you can do that, it boggles my mind that people don't. And I'm not just talking about opening up. I'm just saying in general, designing relationships that suit them and their partner perfectly. You know, our grandparents, some of our grandparents and and our great-grandparents had arranged marriages, right? And, And even if they didn't have a technically arranged marriage, if you would ask in your family tree, and if you look at history books, a lot of times women would have to marry pretty much the guy that came and asked just because he came from a nice family and he asked because you know, in case you don't know, women didn't used to be able to work or own property. And so the only way that they could really be taken care of was through marriage. It's this social construct and contract really to provide for people. There's a given exchange, you know, and and our, our parents days, if you fast forward a little bit to them, it was like women were joining the workforce in greater numbers, like they got the right to vote. And so things were changing. And that dynamic of breadwinner and child rear started to blur a little bit, right? So when you talk about our day and age, I read a study recently that millennials are marrying at a 40% less rate than they were in 1970. That is nearly 50% of a decline in the marriage rate of people our age. And our age, I say that I'm 36. That's wild. So at a time when everything is changing, when people aren't getting married, when people aren't having children right out of high school or right out of college, and we have the ability to tailor make everything in our lives because of technology and the advances in in all of these other areas, two areas remain the same, and that's education and relationships. And don't get me started on education. That is a whole other topic for a whole other episode. I want to dive into sex ed. But if you notice, these are two things in our society that are very broken, that are very outdated and aren't working. So at a time when we have the ability to create whatever we want in our relationship, why don't we? Now, I'm not saying like you have to be monogamous or poly or open or whatever. I'm not saying like one is better than the other. What I'm saying is Find and build and create the relationship that is authentically your own and do that, not based on society or what anyone else thinks is right. And so this episode, we're going to talk about the dangers of what society has painted for the successful relationship, right? So we're going to talk about the dangers of the one. And I want to stop for a moment and just 
you know, if you can close your eyes and think about this, how many of you believe in a soulmate? I know you do. You're listening to my show and I'm all about soulmates. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But if you think about it, it is this age old story that's been told about finding the one, right? Or how about the red string? There's like this, this red string that stretches across all time and space to connect you to the lover that you've had in these other lives and you reconnect. And I love this shit. Like, don't get me wrong. I, this is my shit, right? Or like twin flames, for example. And I'm not making fun of this. I actually really do enjoy things that talk about past lives and love through all the ages. I once saw an astrologer that read my Vedic chart and she told me that Pasha, well, she didn't know Pasha. Here's how it played out. She's like, do you know any Pisces? I said, yes, I do. And I didn't say this, but Pasha's a Pisces. And she was like, this is so interesting. There is a Pisces right next to Aquarius, only one degree apart in your marriage house for this lifetime you will most likely marry a Pisces. I said, well, my husband is a Pisces. And she was like, this is incredible. I've never read someone. This woman is in her eighties, by the way, Terry Z. She's an astrologer. She lives in Arizona. She said, I, I've never read a married couple who, who their two signs were so close together in the marriage house. They were practically right on top of each other. Aquarius and Pisces right there, right next to each other. So you want to talk about soulmates? There we go. And then if you've listened to one of the most recent episodes with Lauren, my other love, she is also a Pisces. Not only is she a Pisces, but they were born on the same day. So they are twin flames, right? They're like twin babies, I think eight, eight years apart or something like that. And so I have the two greatest loves of my life in my marriage house, like this is totally meant to be. So I'm not saying that don't look for what's meant to be. I'm not saying that don't find your person, the one who you're most aligned with. I think it's hella importante to find your person, to be with somebody that's most aligned in your life, that's going to push you and help you grow, right? The one isn't so bad. The one isn't dangerous on its own. What happens is when the one becomes your everything, that's where we go wrong. And it's really a picture that's been painted by society, right? I mean, when you're a kid, think about every Disney movie. The one is going to come and rescue you, my prince, right? And if you're a little girl, you're like talking about this stuff in the hallways at school and you grow up and, you know, maybe your mom, if you're a woman and and maybe young boys too, but your parents were like, wait for the one, wait for the right time. I know my mom did that. Shout out mom. She was trying to protect me and keep me safe. But I thought like, I wasn't going to have sex until I knew it was the one. My poor high school boyfriend, Kent, I think waited like three and a half years before I would like actually have sex with him because I was like, you know, waiting for the one. And then you grow up and everything's about the one. So much pressure, such big shoes to fill. I mean, we grow up and we're trying to sort of see if every single person that we date can fit into this idea of the one. 
so that we can make them our everything, right? Isn't that a lot of pressure? I was recently talking to uh, friends of mine, a couple, and I was talking about this with them. And they were like, well, Jess, your, your partner should be your everything. You should be able to go to them for, you know, counsel, for comfort. You should be able to go to them when you have a problem at work and you need to vent about it and you need to talk through something when you're having trouble with your family. Um, if someone passes away, they should be the one that you go to for support. They should be the one to start a business with. Isn't that amazing? Starting a business with your your partner. We'll talk about that too, because Lauren and I have a business together. It's not always great. Um, they should be the one to help you raise your kids and help you around the house and go on vacations with and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's like when you think about that, actually, getting all of those needs met from one single person creates so much pressure. It's actually like a pressure cooker, at least for me. That's how I felt about it. And I'm not saying that that person can't show up for you in all of those ways. What I'm saying is when you make that person your everything and they make you their everything, it becomes this interesting, tense balance, right? So we're gonna, I'm going to do a second part of this episode in ways to sort of combat the one, but I want to keep going with the dangers of the one, okay? So when you are looking for your person and you are on the track of dating, I, I do not envy anyone who's dating right now who is coming from this mindset because you have a checklist, right? Rather than just dating from like, I'm trying to have amazing experiences and being open to what comes along. But if you are dating and you find the one, guess what happens to a lot of people? They stop trying. They're like, great, check. Or you find the person and they propose you want to get married. So you're saying yes. And then you have this big wedding. You had this grand thing that you were working towards together for however many years and it happens and it's done. Then what? You're like, oh, I could rest. I met the one. I found them. We got married. I have the ring. I wore the dress. We got married in Spain. It's beautiful. And then what? Some people stop trying. Then maybe you want to have kids. Great. Or maybe you want to buy a house. Amazing. So when you have something to work towards, you're actually building momentum together and you have a common goal, which is great. But a lot of people don't orient themselves in this way. They don't create couple goals. So they meet the one and then they rest because it can be exhausting to date and find this person. When you make someone your everything, you can lose yourself in them. This is another major danger of making somebody your everything. Okay. Has anyone ever lost themselves? <laughs> I feel like this is a redundant question, but I know that I've lost myself in relationship before. Their hobbies became my hobbies. Their friends became my friends. I dated a guy that was into beer, micro brewing beer. He used to brew it at home. We used to brew it at home. I once waited in line for a special release of some, 
I don't even remember some brewing company in San Diego at five in the morning on a lawn chair to get beer. Do I look like beer? Is that important to me? No. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. She's so different than the woman that (laughs) runs this podcast. And it's true. I've changed and I've evolved so much over the last 10 years. But I want you to think about it. Have you ever tried to fit yourself into being the one for somebody else? It's exhausting. It creates anxiety. And how many of you have tried to make someone the one? You know, I mentioned it earlier, but getting them to really love all the things that you do and go to your classes with you and just like be into everything that you want to do because you want to spend all of your time together, right? This is a major danger of the one when a couple sort of morphs into the same person. Not okay, not fun, not good. Let me tell you why. We need two things in life. Well, we need a lot of things in life, but the the first two things that are basic human needs are consistency. And that's what's happening. You know, when you're in relationship, you're creating consistency, you're creating security with this person and it's beautiful. But do you know what the other thing that we need is? Variety, novelty, newness, limerence, all of it. Which is why in the beginning, it's so fun. You know, the first two years of a relationship are so hot, heavy, steamy. Do you want to know why? There's mystery, right? There's this beautiful dance. There's this amazing polarity between novelty and variety and mystery and consistency that's happening when we have a new relationship. Um, I've mentioned Esther Perel so many times on this podcast. She is a queen. If you haven't read her books, get them. They will change your life and change your relationships. But she talks about we need to have mystery because mystery breeds desire. You know, you can't have desire and eroticism if we don't have distance with our partner. So when you're in the beginning, you have two people that don't know a lot about each other and you're getting to share it and you're getting to know somebody, which is really fun because as you're getting to know them, you're creating that sense of security and you're creating that fulfillment and that coziness as things start to like settle in and feel really nice. You could like be on sweatpants and the couch six months in and you know, you, you feel comfortable, but there's still so much you don't know about this person. And it's exciting. Do you know what's sexy? Two people who are discovering each other. And if you think about making someone the one and having them be your everything and spending all your time together, doing all of these things together all the time, having all the same friends, going on all the same trips, maybe even working from home in the same space, you will lose all of the mystery. It's not sexy to know every single thing about a person. Let me tell you, you know, Pasha and I have, have done this dance and we got to realize this early on and That's why I wanted to share this with you all, because I feel like this is one of the things that we do really well, you know? So this episode, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. It has a second part and I'm going to sit down and record 
this second part to this episode. And I think you guys will really love it because the main way I've become accustomed to staying out of this sort of pitfall of the one, right? This little trap, this little societal construct that was literally handed down to us from generations trying to keep property and religion happy. Um, And then of course, in our capitalistic society, when there's marketing and Disney movies and Tiffany's, you know, and everything is the one, the right ring, the right person, the right guy, like the ring is almost more important than the guy. Sometimes it can be so much. And I want to give you this roadmap to navigate. So the best way that I know how to stay out of this trap is called discovery mode. And it's where you are in the first two years of your relationship. You are totally in discovery mode, right? You are discovering them. They're discovering you. It feels so good to be discovered really to like, to, to leave little sort of breadcrumb information about who you are and what you like and to be witnessed in all of that. It's very powerful. And in this next episode, I'm going to share with you the three ways to stay in discovery mode in your relationship, no matter if you've been dating for two years or 10 or 30. It doesn't matter if you're monogamous or polyamorous. Staying in discovery mode is really where it's at, you guys. And so stay tuned. I cannot wait to share this one with you. Thank you so much for listening to my first solo episode. This was not easy, you guys. I'm not joking. I've recorded this so many times and scrapped it because it's very hard to have a conversation by yourself, which I didn't realize until I tried to do this. So if you feel like showing me some love, if you liked this episode, screenshot it. Please share it on Instagram, tag me. I want to be part of your journey. So if you have any stories that came up while listening to this or anything that made you want to share, please do. I'm always there. I'm the one who answers the DMs. And as always, please take a moment to leave a five-star review for Open Late. We are on Apple. You can listen to these on Spotify, which now also accepts reviews. Shout out to Spotify. And if you want to watch, you can watch this clip on YouTube. Thank you so much, lovers. Have an amazing rest of your day or evening.